electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hey there, I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on Squawk Pod, unrest across China. CNBC's Yunus Yun is on the ground in Beijing. Arguably the biggest show of resistance uh, to the Chinese Communist Party since the 1989 crackdown on Tiananmen Square. Zero tolerance for zero COVID how endless lockdowns have pushed citizens over the edge. Strict lockdown for th- since August. And some of the protesters are even saying things like, I want to play video games. Calls for President Xi to step down, the high stakes of activism, and one investor's perspective, an asset manager who invests in global, event-driven opportunities, Kyle Bass. And the censors uh, in China have been working uh, overtime trying to and quell the mobilization of the people. That huge story today, plus the others that got us talking, air travel traffic and tweets, and Disney's bumpy couple of weeks, two bobs and a holiday movie bust. We're gonna have to see whether, is Iger the right guy? Is he still the right guy? It's Monday, November 28th, 2022. Welcome back. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three. Two, one, cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today. Chevron getting the green light from the United States to start pumping oil in Venezuela again. Saturday's announcement comes after Venezuela's president and an opposition coalition agreed to a $3 billion humanitarian relief program and promised to work on efforts to hold free and fair elections. It could be a while before Chevron can actually start pumping in the country. It first has to make repairs on broken equipment, rehire hundreds of workers, and fix problems with the power supply and pipelines. Chevron shares this morning off by about 1.5%, probably because WTI is down. The main story, protesters uh, in China spreading across the country. Apparently, the, the protests aren't uncommon, isolated protests, but something like this uh, really is Um, not very common. Over the country's uh, strict COVID restrictions, which we'll talk about further in a second, demonstrators uh, clashing with police in Shanghai yesterday, singing the national anthem and shouting, release the people. Protests calling for President Xi, some of them protesters, uh, for now calling for, we'll see if they're they're around in a week, uh, for President Xi Jinping to step down. That, just saying that, uh, and to end one party rule, but just saying that, you you are putting your life or your freedom at, at at risk in China. Protests started Friday, spread to at least eight cities, reportedly, including Beijing, dozens of university campuses, mostly young people. It's the most widespread show of opposition in decades. We'll be watching uh, stocks with exposure uh, to China. Some lockdowns are, are past 100 days, and they're strict lockdowns. They're so strict that if there's a fire, you can't get out of your building at that at, at one sparked, particular that's place. That's what sparked some of these protests, ten, ten, ten people dying. So they, they Thinking about it, I, I am a little bit horrified because I, I, even in our country, what, what is the percentage of the population that's 
over 70 or over 65. It's, it's a large percentage. And then you, put the, you do that percentage on the number of people that are in China it, where they've had these lockdowns for three years, which has prevented the, the herd immunity. No one's got immunity. They, you know, because they, they have to pretend that their system is best, they won't import any messenger RNA vaccines, which we, we were throwing some away. We have so many of them. So they're stuck with this Sinopec vaccine, which doesn't, you can't deal with Omicron or mutations with this thing quickly enough. So there's a, how many old people are vulnerable in China right now um, to COVID? I mean, it, it would be, there would be, I don't know how many deaths are actually have been reported in China and what the real number is. None of us know, obviously. But if you take them at the word, it's very small. And they use that as a uh, sort of they, they say they've handled it better than we have with their system. But Only this, because they are continuing to lock their people down and not not allowing them to live. I mean, if you if you just were to extrapolate from what we saw in terms of deaths, if you're talking about a million people with, with deaths, okay, multiply that by four for their population. Where does that get you? And that's not even considering the idea that they don't have as effective vaccines as we have. Read that they're, and then we point this out. They've had three years to prepare hospital beds or, yeah. or uh, intensive care units to expand anyway. those. No, there's a, a quarter of a million were added. And as you know, pointed out in the journal, the Chinese uh, Communist Party guys probably won't have, have a problem getting an intensive care bed, but I can tell you most people are not going to be able to here, here's some outdated statistics. And in 2018, 250 million people over the age of 60 um, existed in China. That's 17.9% of the total population. Right. Um, in the rural area, the percentage of elderly population is slightly higher than in the city, and you're probably going to have a harder time finding hospital care in the rural areas. Rural areas it's well. weird, because he just was anointed for his third term. He's got more power than anyone since Mao. And yet we're seeing the biggest well, it would be weird if this it would be weird if COVID is but, what look it's it's not even COVID it's the mismanagement of it it's not doing well, anything with the it time could bring you down the, the lockdowns the, I mean it, it, it we won't know how it, you would hope as the world moves forward I don't know maybe I'm you know well, the, I, we're, we're, I'm, I think we have a better system and I don't think that can last but we've said that forever and it's right. lasted and the human rights and everything else but if this would be what began the unraveling of the whole. Eunice Yoon was pointing out, she was on Friday with us, and was pointing out that as they were watching the World Cup, China had started blocking out the, the fans in the audience because there were questions right. of people, people saying, how come they don't have to wear masks? And we do, because none of the spectators in Qatar were wearing masks. Well, I think some people are going to be glad they were wearing masks in China because it's all on video and they have facial recognition software that's as good as anywhere in the world and anyone that's participating I don't know how whether we're going to see them around for very long um, in terms of I don't they disappear they I don't, I don't know what happens but uh, they're at great risk anyone who says she has to step down um, that probably isn't going to be looked at kindly by by the people in charge and they got the most the uh, probably extensive police state in, in, the, in the world. The market reaction is really interesting if you, if you look at WTI, because I guess the assumption is there, the authorities will, because crude's tra trading down, I guess the assumption from the markets at this point would be that they either are going to crack down even harder 
or maybe they loosen things up and they and COVID gets out of control and and that takes things down. Terrible I mean, that's option. that seems to be what the market's Sophie's telling choice. you, or at least what they're guessing with some of these issues. Terrible option. Can you imagine, imagine strict lockdown for three, since August? Some of the protesters are even saying things like, "I want to play video games because you're locked down." And they're not only you're locked in your house; they're restricting that it's so invasive into the into what you're allowed to do on your daily basis, just not being allowed to play video games. Remember the restrictions they rolled yeah. out a few years ago? Good place for meta. I guess that's the one place maybe you need a, yeah. a metaverse. Eunice Yoon joins us live uh, from Beijing. Good morning, Eunice. Hi, Joe. Well, security is extra tight here in Beijing, as well as in other cities across the country. After uh, what was the biggest show, or arguably the biggest show, of resistance uh, to the Chinese Communist Party since the 1989 crackdown on Tiananmen Square, uh, there were protests erupting uh, not only here in Beijing, but also in Shanghai, Chengdu, uh, Guangzhou, as well as other cities, um, sparked, at least in part, uh, by the deaths at a building fire in the far western city of Urumqi, where uh, people suspect that those deaths were at least partially caused by COVID controls. Now, the focus of these protests are primarily against the zero COVID policy. However, there are indications that people are having um, wider grievances. Uh, for example, uh, some people here in Beijing were holding up white paper um, to protest uh, the um, censorship and the widespread censorship here. Also, some in Shanghai were calling for President Xi Jinping to resign. Now, Beijing has been signaling that it's going to be sticking with its zero COVID policy, though um, curbing some of the most excessive curbs. A state media has been running several editorials in the past couple of days saying that zero COVID is science-based and effective while uh, warning local officials against excessive uh, COVID, what they describe as layers. Uh, Beijing is potentially at a turning point with this approach, and the wild card is really what happens with the virus. So if the COVID numbers stay around this level, uh, there's uh, likely going to be, uh, we're likely going to see Beijing muddling through with this, um, as they describe, more precise approach. However, if those numbers soar, Beijing could be faced with two, from their perspective, undesirable uh, paths. One is to fully lock down Beijing to get those numbers as close to zero as possible and also sending a message across the country that protests will not be tolerated. Or, if the numbers soar, uh, they could be faced with a situation where Beijing gets out of control and they don't stay on top of the situation. So. Uh, the Communist Party guys is, is likely weighing which scenario uh, would be uh, the most have the most impact on their survival. It's Eunice, it's it's very difficult. And, and the most recent time that, that uh, the presidents met of our two respective countries, do you know whether they talked about maybe a vaccine sharing or, or it, would that ever happen? Because I just don't see the, the end game in terms of a, a, a population that is largely uh, has not seen the virus and with a, the vaccine that might not be as effective as, as something that we could definitely in good will and good faith furnish a lot of vaccines to China. Could that ever happen as a way out of this, do you think, Eunice? Well, I, I think there have the, been a lot of Western countries, including the United States, who've um, said that they have um, had these discussions 
of offering vaccines um, to the Chinese, either, um, you know, with paying for that, you know, them, China purchasing them, um, having some type of co-production. However, so far, it looks as though that is not on the cards. Um, in fact, I was, uh, if you remember, um, the German chancellor had actually come here uh, several weeks ago and made an announcement that there was going to be an import um, importation of a foreign vaccine, the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine here. And from what I understand, those discussions have so far resulted in very, very little of the uh, vaccination of the vaccine actually coming here. And in fact, it has been narrowed. Originally, they said that it would be for all foreigners here in China. Um, now it looks as though it's only going to be for Europeans. But even those discussions are still up in the air. It's just two bad options because it, and it, uh, the lockdown is not good for anyone. As, as we know, it's bad for China. They, they want to, I'm sure President Xi, newly anointed for the third term, wants to get the economy going, to bring the middle class to, you know, to, to raise the standard of living for, for everyone in China. And so it's just counterproductive to, to everything the country's trying to do as long as, as, as you're locked down. And I, I don't see how it goes away uh, because we have, in this country, we, we, think it's, we think it's endemic and it's gonna be around. So I don't, I don't know how uh, they, they wanna, do they think they can just stamp out the virus completely and then just open up? I think that's the hope. I mean, I think that um, a lot of people here agree with what you're saying. And you're seeing um, negotiations on a local level here. Um, in the past several days um, in Beijing, uh, people have been trying to um, use the law to uh, convince local authorities um, to not lock down their buildings and to get rid of some of these more inconsistent uh, measures. Uh, and and with some, in some cases, they're having um, a positive effect uh, from the uh, residents' perspective. In some cases, uh, they're not. So, um, so it's, it's difficult to say uh, where it's going to head. I, I mean, I think that the, uh, I think Beijing is probably hoping that this current approach uh, where they say that they are sticking by zero COVID, but they kind of, uh, ch kind of change it a little bit, um, is, is going to work. And right now the numbers, the COVID cases are kind of not jumping, you know, like crazy. If they start, I think if they really start to rapidly escalate, we're going to be in for some difficult decisions by the policymakers here. Right. And then the protests. So, yeah, it's, we're, obviously the world wants things to, to work there and, and to, to be successful in terms of dealing with COVID. But uh, it's difficult. Thanks, Eunice. We appreciate it. Cheese will be next. Up next on Squawk Pod, we're diving even deeper into the unrest across China. How coverage of the World Cup pushed a frustrated populace over the edge. And what's at risk for the citizens who are speaking up? We're talking to Kyle Bass, a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. The way the apps work over there, uh, they can they can restrict your ability to travel on a subway or a plane or even out of your house. They can eliminate your ability to buy things. They can starve you to death. Plus the global investor on what this all means for companies like Apple who are in the thick of it. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. 
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. We're back. This is Squawk Pod. Stand by, Joe, in three, two, one, his mic, cue. Good morning and welcome back uh, to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. It's hard to take off five days, come back. I'm Joe Kernan along with Becky Quick. Andrew uh, is off the day. USX, right? It is. Trying to, to catch up. Last night. Trying to catch up. Yeah, just hard to sleep. Yeah. Hard to sleep when you Because you've been staying up too late. And I don't sleep past 8 a.m. Uh, uh, and oh, when, you never. when I'm off. <laughs> never. No, I can't. No. I, 6.30. Like, sad. Yeah. I don't know whether that's, I hear that about a lot of people. It's, the, this. it's this shift. But it's also. You're old? Yeah. No, it's US, the shift. <laughs> US Otherwise, I'm old too. <laughs> we're close enough. We're, we're. But have you not been, not been able to sleep for the last 20 years? I mean, this is not a new kind thing. Of, kind of. It might be the it's the hours. alcohol. alcohol. <laughs> uh, the, the, some nights, very few. Join us now to talk about the unrest in China and its impact on global business. Kyle Bass, founder of uh, Heyman Capital Management. And I, I think I started the last interview, Kyle, with uh, our, um, our ability to know what's actually happening is, is, is pretty good nowadays, or are we... Uh, do we know maybe half of what's really going on or, or how accurate are the reports that we're hearing in, in your view? And do you know things that we haven't heard in mainstream media? Yeah, I mean, Joe, I, I think there's uh, everyone has networks that you build and, and the sensors uh, in China have been working uh, overtime trying to kind of quell the mobilization of the people, whether, whether it's the mobilization of the people at the Foxconn dorm uh, where this all kind of began, I called the outward protests in China began. The, you know, the irony of it all happening at a, at Apple's sweatshop uh, in uh, in the largest iPhone factory of the world uh, isn't lost on anyone. Uh, but uh, you have mobilization in Foxconn. You've had mobilization uh, and local solidarity in Urumqi and in, in Xinjiang, uh, where those 10, 10 plus people died in a building that was locked down and they couldn't get out uh, because of the zero COVID policies and. And now it's spread to over 100 universities, Jim, including, uh, uh, or Joe, sorry, uh, including uh, Tsinghua University, one of the most recognizable universities in, in China, and also Xi Jinping's alma, alma mater. Uh, so I think these, these protests are the largest existential threat to the Chinese Communist Party since the Tiananmen uh, massacre. Uh, but back to your point, Joe, uh, we're not going to get quote, official reports of anything out of the Chinese government. You just think about their, their, quote, official death toll from all of COVID is 5,200, a little less than a small Baltic state, uh, when their official death toll uh, from the Tiananmen Square massacre is still zero. Uh, it's not 10,000 plus students that were run over by tanks. Uh, so it's important to note that the Chinese government does lie through its teeth and will continue doing so. I think the social media expansion and the, the mobilization in social media is something that uh, the censors are, are having a, a real difficult time with. Zero tolerance can be used for a lot of different, uh, to, to describe a lot. It, it, it does, uh, the CCP have the ability 
and the apparatus and the police presence um, to go to zero tolerance for protests? Yeah, but uh, the answer is yes. I think they have so many more tools at their disposal today than they did in 1989. Just think about their social credit score, Joe. They can uh, they can literally turn off your ability to spend. That uh, the, the way the apps work over there, uh, they can they can restrict your ability to travel on a subway or a plane or even out of your house. They can eliminate your ability to buy things. They can starve you to death. They can do all kinds of things. The better question is. Will the people accept it? And what we're seeing now is a is a groundswell of protests over the ridiculousness of these COVID lockdowns. And, and again, the 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 fissure or or the schism uh, in in the world is that it it's been fa- the, the the fans uh, the, sorry the the fire has been fanned by the Chinese ability to see the World Cup. They see the crowds in the World Cup, and no one's wearing masks while they're in basically internment camps, uh, getting COVID tested two or three times a day and getting fed uh, off of a moped. Uh, So I think the problem with China's uh, approach and the Chinese government's approach to control over their people is backfiring on them. And, um, you know, these protests are are widespread from the the entire east coast of China to the west to the to the western regions and the hinterlands. Uh, You're seeing these protests uh, happen. So I think Xi Jinping doesn't have any great outs here, Joe. Uh, number one, uh, uh, you know, number one, he can have a Tiananmen style uh, crushing of the people. And you saw uh, military and, and police tactical vehicles entering Shanghai last night uh, on videos uh, on, on Weibo. So uh, it's important to note that uh, I haven't I've never seen Xi Jinping uh, change course due to pressure. Uh, he, he has a Maoist style of thought. And he is going, I think he's going to crack down on the people. Another thing that could happen is they could uh, invade Taiwan and, and look for national unity through an invasion and control of the airwaves. You know, there is no way that Xi Jinping can save face and back down. So we're entering a new point of a great struggle between Chinese leadership and the Chinese people. Well, I guess that's what I was getting at. It's, the, the fuse has been lit, but we've seen the fuse lit, not just in China. Think of other uh, countries where... There are repressive regimes, regimes and, and we see something that looks like it might be the, the start of something, I don't know, the Arab Spring, whatever, things, protests in Iran, it, but they never seem to go anywhere. Is this different? And, uh, is, do you get the feeling that this is so organic now at the universities in, in China and more than just about COVID, maybe about, you know, I'm hesitant to, to go back to the days when we said sooner or later China's going to be like us, because I don't know whether they're ever going to be like us. Um, so I, I don't want to fall into that trap, but is this, could this be the beginning of something? And, and if it is, how bloody would that crackdown be, uh, Kyle? I mean, it's not just people in Tiananmen Square. It's, you said 100 universities, didn't you? Can, can they really contain that? You know, the groundswell is enormous, uh, and, and it's happening organically, and it's happening uh, let's say, outside of the ability of the censors uh, to deal with it. In fact, uh, you've seen Chinese bots that have been inactive for five to 10 years on Twitter starting to flood the airwaves with escort ads and women of the night uh, trying to simply jam the airwaves uh, for, uh, let's say, the, the rank and file that have VPN access to the rest of the world. You're seeing the censors look like they're on tilt. Uh, and, and, and so this mobilization that's happening is outside of 
their surveillance equipment, social credit scores, and China's uh, ability to, to kind of contain things like this. And Joe, it has a lot to do with uh, the repression uh, and, and their ability to see the rest of the world uh, enjoying basic human rights and freedoms that none of the Chinese people have. Um, so uh, that's what I, I believe this groundswell is real. You look at it across the country. And, uh, you know, one of the battle cries you hear is there was a bus being driven uh, by a, a COVID uh, zero worker in the full uh, hazmat white suit. And, uh, and it was driving through a mountainous region at night. And because uh, it's, it's thought that because he didn't have his peripheral vision and his ability to properly drive the bus, the bus uh, flipped over and, and killed everyone. And so the Chinese students at these universities are, are one of their battle cries is we are all on the bus. It just hasn't crashed yet. So I, I think this is a much larger than simply zero COVID. This is about repression and, and lack of human rights. So you think that the chances of, of something with Taiwan, that that's increased. What does it all mean for the global, for someone that even in, is invested here in Apple or invested in, uh, uh, in you know, stable global growth? Can, is this something that we, we need to be thinking about at this point? I mean, oil's at 74 all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, look, oil short term. There are there are there are so many supply problems with hydrocarbons due to kind of let's just say bad energy transition policy around the world. Uh, that if and when the world settles down, uh, you're going to see 150 dollar plus oil at some point in time. Um, but I, look, I think that um, I think that where where you say what does it mean for investors and investors in Apple? You know, the irony of it all is back when the Hong Kong protests were at their zenith prior to COVID's emergence and the, and the virus's expansion uh, around the world, um, the Chinese government was blaming the West for um, uh, starting the, the Hong Kong riots and, and the pushbacks on the national security law and China's intense desire to blame someone else for their own problems. This one will be no different. Uh, the, the irony here is uh, you mentioned Apple, now, all of this, all of these uprisings really began with the Foxconn uh, uh, uprising at, at Apple's basically sweatshop making the iPhones. And Joe, I don't know if you've ever seen the pictures, but uh, Foxconn runs what they call warm bunks. You have you have you have the employees living in dorms, and they work twelve hours, and they're off twelve hours, and two people share a bunk. So someone will work twelve hours while someone sleeps in the bunk, and vice versa. Uh, there are three layers of suicide nets uh, placed on these buildings at Foxconn because finally these people can't take it anymore and they've been killing themselves one after the other. You can't imagine the, 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 how bad the conditions are at these, at these factories. And, and this first uprising uh, was on sanitary conditions and, yeah. and pay. It's how does crazy. that fit with zero COVID policy? Like share a well, bunch of somebody? Saying, what I'm saying is it's it's repression, right? So the Fox the Foxconn uh, the Foxconn protest was about sanitary conditions for the workers and pay. They earn a few dollars a day. So the the irony of it all is they'll call this the Kim, Tim Cook re, you know revolution because that's what I was going to say is how bad is this for Apple as these conditions of the, these working conditions get out? How bad is it for Apple? Because while they're making plans to eventually move away from this, they're not going to be able to do it overnight. No, it's just it's going to take it takes forever to move a supply chain of that size. I, I've had conversations with Fortune 500 CEOs 
that have multiple billions of revenue in China that will tell me behind the scenes. They agree with everything that I say on air, but it's going to take them many years to move away. And they're not going to tell the press while they're moving. They're going to do their best to move away, uh, like kind of a, a under the under the guise of darkness, because they're fearful of a, of a, a reprisal from the Chinese Communist Party. So this is all a game that is being played mostly behind the scenes. But now this uh, this groundswell, uh, it's 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 beautiful to see the people finally push back against these draconian policies of the communist regime. Yeah, but COVID is lurking too, Kyle. So I don't know what that means for all the old people in China either. But uh, those are um, unbelievable conditions you're describing, Kyle. We appreciate it uh, today. I, we can always come to you for some of these things. I guess it's not so bad at Twitter compared to, um, right? Is, is it worse over there? I, I mean, I really feel for all those, those poor, uh, you know. Thanks, Kyle. Coming up on Squawk Pod, the other stories that caught our attention this morning, like mid-holiday travels and airing your airline complaints on Twitter. And the corporate story of the season, well, so far, it's Disney again. A box office bust, and one bobs out, another bobs in, but both bobs are still on the payroll. Hey, Chapek, a billion pennies for your thoughts. 10 million a year in case they wanted to ask him for some advice. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan and Becky Quick. Here they are with the rest of the stories that got us squawking today. We should talk about thousands of flight delays that created a travel mess in the post-Thanksgiving travel rush. Yesterday, more than 6,500 flights were delayed in the United States. Airlines cited severe weather in some major cities, including strong winds, rain, and snow. Yeah, and it's kind of the deal. You've known this since planes, trains, and automobiles. This is kind of what happens on Thanksgiving holidays. You can anticipate some big problems like this, and sure enough, we saw them. In the meantime, budget airline Frontier announced the removal of customer service by telephone. What? Customers can reach out for assistance by text, social media channel, and WhatsApp. Oh, that's brilliant. Now you just tell the whole world all the problems, every issue you have. What if you got a lot of followers on social media? Uh, a spokesman for the company said the change is expected to ensure that customers get the information they need as fast and efficiently as possible and with as much publicity as possible, too, dummies. The shift also aims to lower labor costs and increase the number of customers that can be helped at once. I'm not good when, with anything like that. You know, like, <laughs> you can only make a, a, um, a restaurant reservation online and say... <laughs> okay, um, I'll look for. I need someone to talk to. I do. Well, I, I just Hotel think it, reservations. That's it a bad idea. You're going to have people with me. followers on social media telling their all of their followers every problem they're having with your brand. I mean, that seems like a really bad idea. When you, you would want them to call you directly rather than complain or, to hundreds of thousands of or people. DraftKings or Coinbase. Whenever that happens, it's like you can only send an email. It's like, 
that goes into <laughs> And you're never going to hear it back. Right. right. It, goes <laughs> it goes into, into the, the abyss. It does. It goes into, like, it vaporizes into the atmosphere. Not that it's, atmosphere. like, pleasant waiting for two hours on hold on one of these customer service lines either. I, uh, about, uh, here's yeah. an idea. Hire some more people. That's a problem. Yeah. It was a mixed weekend for Disney at the box office. Black Panther Wakanda Forever added $64 million to its domestic tally during the five-day holiday period. But Disney's latest animated feature, Strange World, failed to lure in moviegoers, generating just $18.6 million over that long weekend. It was the worst three-day opening for a Disney animated feature since The Emperor's New Groove back in the year 2000. This film was expected to take in, I think, closer to 30 to $40 million. Um, a, I didn't really know about this, and what I have seen, it hasn't intrigued me. And that's saying something because as somebody with young kids, I'm always looking for new content. Um, and this didn't really appeal to me. And you know, it's a woke, you go broke uh, story, supposedly. I, I don't oh, know is that? I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know what's in I, I, I haven't. I don't know much about it. Separately, uh, Disney CEO Bob Iger is holding a town hall with uh, employees today at noon Eastern. Uh, in a memo to staff, Iger says he will discuss the future of the company and answer questions about uh, what's ahead. The all-hands-on-deck uh, meeting comes just uh, one week after he's reinstated as CEO, uh, replacing Bob Chapek, who lasted less than two years. I read over the weekend that one of the things Iger was unhappy about was the amount that they've raised ticket prices and plan to continue raising ticket prices at the parks, thinking that that was kind of destroying the brand as people complained about the service at the parks and things too. I've got to say, I agree with them. Well, we're going to have to see gonna whether, go like, is Iger the right guy? Bucks. Is he still the right guy? In the right Look, guy? the problems are really big problems. Right. I don't think it's easy to step in and deal with any of these issues, but... Everything happening now is still like the kitchen sink thing. All these yeah. write-offs he can... Yeah. It wasn't his movie, it wasn't. And I, I do think, I, I do think Iger would have dealt with things a little differently and maybe not gotten into some of the you saw that to begin with. He's got, see now that might be a job I, I might go for. Did you see his consulting fee for, in case <laughs> they wanted to talk, 10 million a year, in case they wanted to ask him for some advice. Wow. But he got mad that Chapek never really asked him for, for any advice. You'd be okay with that gig I'm without anybody that asking you? If Andrew can, can swing that, uh, you know, if, if somehow talk to people if for five years, maybe. But, I can consult with the gig. show. You want this gig. I can consult yeah. with the show for five years. From for $10 million a year, and maybe <laughs> we talk to you, maybe we don't. Maybe you don't. Right. Maybe don't take my advice. <laughs> and you're okay with that? I might do that, yeah. That's the podcast for today. Thank you for listening as always. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis, plus a little more from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you're listening now. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday 
and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.